Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to another premium episode of Back From The Borderline. These episodes are exclusively available to my members on Patreon. If you aren't a member yet, you will receive a free preview of this episode, but it will fade out and you'll need to become a member to unlock the full episode. The links to join are in the episode description, or you can just visit backfromtheborderline.com. I'm your host, Molly, and without further ado, let's dive straight in to some emotional alchemy. Welcome back, everyone. So I had a conversation with a really close friend of mine, Melanie, and she gave me the inspiration to make this episode. So huge shout out to Mel. And she was essentially talking about how she is currently reading Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, which is an amazing book, by the way. And I've read it myself. And essentially, Brene Brown is an expert at diving into the nitty gritty of different emotions and maybe the kinds of emotions that we don't often talk about. You know, when we think about emotions, a lot of times we just skim the surface. It's like sadness, happiness, anxiety, stress, you know, but the beauty about Atlas of the Heart is that she talks about emotions that we don't often get into. 
And one of the emotions that she explores is the idea of something called schadenfreude. You might already be going, what the fuck is that, Molly? But if you are a German listener, you will absolutely know what schadenfreude is. Put simply, schadenfreude is a German term. And if you don't know, the German language is already light years ahead of the English language in its ability to coin very specific words to describe niche emotions. And that's a whole nother episode in itself. But schadenfreude is a German term that refers to the experience of pleasure or satisfaction derived from the misfortune of others. This emotion is not universally admired and is often viewed as morally and ethically problematic, and yet it is a common human experience and it's likely if we're self-aware enough, we have absolutely participated in or felt the phenomena of schadenfreude. It's almost impossible not to have because essentially think about when you've been at a particularly low and horrible time in your life and this person that maybe you are close with or maybe they're just an acquaintance, someone that you follow from high school on Instagram and every time you see their stuff pop up, it just looks like their life is going so fucking perfectly. Everything always works out for them and you find out that maybe something didn't go so well and their life kind of took a turn for the worse or their partner cheated on them or something just kind of went awry and a little part of you thought, hmm, well, see, it's not always so perfect, right? And that's the little tiny part of you, if you're really honest with yourself, is kind of like, well, good. You know, you're kind of happy to see them get taken down a notch. We've all felt it. We've all experienced it. And we've also all likely been on the other side of that feeling where maybe things have been going really well for you and you felt this certain friend and it might be more of a fair weather friend. Many of us who are in trauma recovery paths realize as we start recovering that maybe the people that we thought were our friends were just kind of not really our friends. And that's a really, again, whole nother episode and something worthwhile talking about is just kind of the relationships that start to fall out of your life once you start realizing who you actually are, what you actually value, and what you will and won't accept. But maybe things were going really well for you and then something goes wrong. Again, just the cheating partner example just pops to mind. Or something just doesn't go right. You had a dream job and then you get laid off and you call and tell this friend who, friend with air quotes, and you tell this friend who maybe when you've told them good things that happened to you, they kind of are very like aloof and kind of reject you a little bit when you talk about great things that are going on. But the moment that you tell them that something dramatic or horrible in your life has happened, it's almost like they get a high off of that drama and they're all of a sudden super engaged in your life. And you almost sense that they're kind of happy that something has gone wrong for you. Schadenfreude is a really head fucky emotion 
to experience yourself and also be on the other side of because it's very sneaky it's very insidious you can't really place what's wrong and if you accused someone of it much like many things they might accuse you of being crazy because there's no real proof it's almost sometimes something that you can just sense i mean if someone's really sociopathic they might be just outright happy for your failure and I think we experience schadenfreude a lot from a parasocial perspective. Think about all the people out there that almost hate follow celebrities and they watch their extravagant lives and then when shit hits the fan, it's almost like they love watching these people's lives crumble and they forget that they're real human beings. That is also a great example of schadenfreude. So I wanted to create this episode and if you are listening from the public feed, you're not going to hear this whole episode, but trust me, this might be the episode that makes you sign up for my Patreon just so you can hear the rest of it because it's going to be a good one. But if you are listening from Patreon and you're a premium submarine, you get the whole enchilada. We're going to be talking about what is schadenfreude, what is the etymology of this word, like where did it come from? We're going to talk about when the term was first used some examples of it and then we're going to really dive into the nitty-gritty we're going to approach the idea of schadenfreude and explore it from a depth psychological and existential psychological perspective and really talk about the connections between schadenfreude and carl jung's concept of the shadow and then we're going to break down what it feels like to identify with participation in schadenfreude what we lose when we engage in this emotion, and then about what it feels like to be on the other side. We are going to get into the nitty gritty, so let's dive into it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so I'm going to warn you right off the jump that you're probably going to hear the word schadenfreude in this episode more times than you've ever heard it in your life, and I'm probably going to be sick of hearing myself say it by the end of this episode, but that's what the whole episode is about, so let's just get that out of the way right off the top. So what is schadenfreude? We already talked about it in the intro. It's basically getting off when other people are experiencing misfortune. Like you are experiencing pleasure or satisfaction when something is going wrong in the life of another person. The word schadenfreude is composed of two German words, schaden, 
meaning harm or damage, and freude, meaning joy or pleasure. So it directly translates to harm joy. The exact first use of the term is somewhat unclear, but it's been a part of the German language for centuries. But it first entered the English lexicon more prominently in the 19th century. Common examples include feeling a sense of satisfaction when a rival sports team loses, experiencing a degree of pleasure when a disliked celebrity faces a scandal, or even feeling a secret joy when a coworker who always brags about their accomplishments faces a setback. From a depth psychological standpoint, particularly in the realm of Jungian and existential psychology, Schadenfreude can be seen as a manifestation of the darker aspects of the human psyche. It could be a defense mechanism against feelings of inferiority or vulnerability. Existentially, it might reflect a search for meaning or superiority in a world where oftentimes we feel insignificant and powerless. Carl Jung's concept of the shadow encompasses the parts of our personality that we deny and repress, often negative aspects or desires. Schadenfreude can be seen as a shadow manifestation where these repressed feelings of envy, aggression, or competitiveness surface in a socially acceptable form. So it's all well and good to do this academic high-level breakdown of what schadenfreude is, but I thought it might be fun and a better way to understand it if we tell a little story that narrates how it exactly it plays out. So join me for a little story time. This tale is called Liza and the Shadow of Schadenfreude. In the bustling city of New York, Liza often found herself lost in the ceaseless whirlwind of her life. Despite her professional success, Liza harbored a sense of unfulfillment, a gnawing feeling of inferiority that she diligently masked with a veneer of confidence and competence. Liza's world, like many others, was often illuminated by the glittering spectacle of a celebrity culture. Sound familiar? (laughs) She found herself drawn to the stories of the rich and famous, particularly to Ava Sinclair, a renowned actress known for her impeccable talent, stunning beauty, and seemingly perfect life. Ava was everything Liza aspired to be, but felt she could never become. One ordinary evening, as Liza scrolled through her Instagram feed, a headline caught her eye. Ava Sinclair caught in cheating scandal. A wave of unexpected, almost inexplicable satisfaction washed over Liza. She clicked on the article with a fervor absorbing every detail of Ava's downfall. In this moment, Liza experienced a profound sense of schadenfreude, a feeling that perplexed her. So why did Ava's misfortune bring her a sense of relief or almost joy? Let's dig into it.
It's always helpful to explore these things through the lens of a story because we can really put ourselves in those shoes. So from a depth psychological perspective, Liza's reaction is a manifestation of her shadow self. Carl Jung posited that the shadow contains aspects of ourselves that we deny and repress, often negative qualities or desires that contradict our conscious self-image. Liza's shadow harbored feelings of envy, inadequacy, and suppressed anger towards anyone who embodied her perceived unattainable ideals. But what makes it the shadow side is that Liza's not conscious of this. She thinks she's just scrolling through Instagram. It's no big deal. If someone said to her, are you envious of this celebrity? Do you feel inadequate? Do you have suppressed anger? She would say, what are you talking about? Because she's not conscious of these feelings. And that's what makes it very, very problematic. Liza's sense of schadenfreude served as a defense mechanism against her feelings of inferiority and vulnerability. Ava's scandal humanized a figure Liza had placed on an unreachable pedestal. It allowed her to momentarily bridge this massive chasm between her perceived inadequacies and this illusory perfection that she attributed to Ava, the celebrity. Even though, Ava, whenever I tell people, <laughs> I spent some time working in fashion PR, which gave me the opportunity to meet quite a few celebrities in person. I also spent some time living in LA. And when you meet celebrities in real life, especially now with how much editing happens on Instagram, number one, the average everyday celebrity looks absolutely nothing like they do in their pictures almost to the extent, and I'm not going to name any names, but I met a few celebrities when I was living in LA and also when I was working at Louis Vuitton in the press office in London, that when they came in like to do a fitting or something like that, I, I was like, I had to like look at my sheet and be like, who is this again? Because they looked like, they just looked nothing like they did in their pictures, but particularly when I was living in LA, because when I was working in London, that was around like 2012, and this was like right when Instagram was kind of starting and there weren't as many filters. There was no Facetune. The filters, when you look back and like look at 2012 Instagram filters, it's like you could basically just put like a sepia or black and white tone. But fuck, now you can turn yourself into an entirely different person. So never mind the fact that a lot of these people, again, not naming any names, literally get surgery like it is their actual job. They literally get so much surgery that they change themselves into a different person and then they use Facetune and filters on top of the surgical alterations. So it's like just cyborg level of just unattainable beauty standards. It's wild. But the thing is, cosmetic surgery like that oftentimes does not look as good in real life as it does in pictures. Just like it doesn't look as good, like a full face of makeup, like, and I used to wear tons of makeup and I, I still love a good face beat every now and then. But if you are someone who wears a lot of makeup, you know that in real life, when you are caked up with makeup, it actually looks better if you're going out at night or something like that, because in the harsh light of day, really caked on makeup, it looks 
like caked on makeup. (laughs) So the thing is we can put these people on pedestals and then when we see them in real life, they're just your average, everyday, regular, regular person, right? And the thing is we put them on those pedestals. Half the time, they don't even really want to be seen as that and they are just as, if not more, depressed and sad and at the mercy of these beauty standards as the rest of us. And we make them into these perfect figures with perfect lives, but even when they are rich and they seemingly have it all, there's a lot of depression and sadness that come along with that. I mean, just look at all the celebrities who've taken their own lives and stuff like that. So we put people on a pedestal on our own and in all this stuff, if we don't actually consciously think about these things, it's just happening in the background. That's the shadow playing out. So back to our story, Liza's sense of schadenfreude served as a defense mechanism against her feelings of inferiority and vulnerability. The scandal around our fake celebrity Ava immediately humanized her to Liza who had placed her on this unreachable pedestal that we talked about. And this is how it happens, right? So it shattered this illusory image of perfection. This incident also reflected Liza's deep-seated search for meaning and superiority in a world where she felt insignificant. Again, maybe in a way she wasn't conscious of. By witnessing this celebrity's fall from grace, Liza unconsciously elevated her own status. In her mind, Ava's failure made her own life seem less lacking, less ordinary. It was as if Ava's misfortune was this leveling field, a momentary equalizer that assuaged Liza's feelings of envy and inadequacy. The shadow aspects in Liza's reaction lay in her enjoyment of Ava's suffering. Deep down, Liza envied Ava's success and seemingly perfect life. She harbored aggressive impulses and competitive feelings, which she typically repressed, given her self-image as a rational and kind professional who had it all together. But Ava's scandal allowed these shadow aspects to surface in a socially acceptable form disguised as a typical reaction to celebrity gossip. This shit plays out all the time. Liza's experience with schadenfreude was this complex interplay of her shadow self, her defense mechanisms, and her own existential struggles. It highlighted the often overlooked aspects of her psyche and offered a glimpse into the intricate workings of human emotions and motivations. For Liza, Understanding these dynamics could be the first step towards integrating her shadow, leading a more authentic and fulfilling life. But, like the everyday normie, it's more likely that Liza will not even think anything of it, all this shit will continue playing out behind the scenes in her subconscious, and she will continue repeating the same cycle throughout her life while on the outside seemingly being perfectly normal and like there's nothing wrong. So next, we're going to explore something else. What it feels like to be on the receiving end of schadenfreude. And we're going to use this through the lens of another story. 
In the quiet town of Maplewood, named because it's nestled between rolling hills and old maple trees, Ellie and Cass grew up sharing everything from childhood secrets to teenage dreams. Their friendship, robust and seemingly unbreakable, was constant through years of change. When Ellie decided to leave Maplewood for the bustling city, it was Cass she called first, her voice tinged with excitement and a hint of fear. Cass, the ever steadfast one, chose to stay behind, her life weaving a simpler pattern among the familiar streets of their hometown. As years passed, their lives diverged like branches of an old oak tree. Ellie, in the vibrant city chasing her ambitious dreams and Cass in the tranquility of Maplewood, living a life of quiet contentment. Ellie's life in the city was a whirlwind of successes and failures, each call to Cass a new chapter in her adventurous saga. With every achievement, Cass's heart swelled with pride for her friend, but deep down, a tiny seed of envy quietly began to take root. She listened to tales of Ellie's bustling city life, her glamorous job, her whirlwind romances and heartbreaks, feeling a growing sense of disconnect, an unspoken longing for a life she never dared to pursue herself. Then came the night when Ellie's voice, usually so full of life and laughter, sounded completely broken. She told Cass about her breakup, her words heavy with grief and disbelief. Ellie, who had always seemed invincible in Cass's eyes, was now heartbroken, her dream of love crumbling to dust. As Cass comforted Ellie, a shadow crossed her heart, an inexplicable feeling of relief, almost satisfaction at Ellie's misfortune. This schadenfreude was subtle, masked by genuine concern, yet it was undeniably there, swirling in the undercurrents of her sympathetic words. In the complex emotional landscape of Cass and Ellie's friendship, the interplay of schadenfreude, guilt, and unspoken tensions offers a rich ground for exploration from a depth psychological perspective. Cass's reaction to Ellie's heartbreak was a tapestry of conflicting emotions. While part of her experienced schadenfreude, another part felt genuinely concerned and empathy for her friend. This juxtaposition of feelings is not uncommon in close relationships, where the boundaries between the self and the other person often become blurred. And this can often happen with childhood friendships. And I have to say, as someone, you know, who grew up having these like really close girlhood bonds, boundaries are often very blurred. It's almost like when you're growing up with girlhood friends, it's like they're happy for you, but they hate you. It's like the concept of frenemies, right? I just had to pause the podcast and wake my little dog up because she was snoring so loud that it was uh, <laughs> literally interrupting the recording. Sorry, Cody. So from a depth psychological viewpoint, 
getting back to our, getting back in character here. Cass's feelings of schadenfreude were not merely a reflection of envy or a desire for superiority. It's not that clear cut. There were also an this unconscious response to her own unacknowledged pain and unfulfilled desires in her own life. The news of Ellie's misfortune unconsciously triggered this sense of relief in Cass, a relief that her own life choices, even though they might have been less adventurous, were not as subject to such crazy highs, crazy lows, and insane amounts of heartbreak. But however, this momentary feeling of relief quickly gave way to this deep sense of shame and guilt because Cass isn't a bad person. She found herself in this moral conundrum wrestling with the darker aspects of her own psyche. This, all right, everyone, you know what that means. That is it for this preview of the premium episode of Back from the Borderline. You can unlock the full version of this episode where we dive incredibly deep for another 20-30 minutes all about the complex nature of this story between Cass and Ellie and how usually schadenfreude doesn't play out as cleanly as it did in our first example with Liza and how she felt about her feelings of this fake celebrity that we created named Ava. And then we really talk about how we can unpack these feelings within ourselves and the benefits this can have in our life. But then on the other side, I really dive into from a depth psychological perspective, how our lives tend to play out if we don't tackle these feelings. So if you want to unlock the full exploration of schadenfreude, you're going to need to sign up to my Patreon and become a premium submarine by visiting backfromtheborderline.com or patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline, whichever you'd like. My premium submarines, not only do they get full-length ad-free episodes every week, but you also unlock hundreds of hours of bonus content that are available exclusively on Patreon. For just the price of like basically one bougie coffee with tip a month, and I hope that you're tipping your baristas because it's hard work, or two maybe cheap gas station coffees a month, you can unlock all of those amazing benefits and you can know that you're supporting my work and helping me continue produce content just like this. But if you choose to not subscribe or you're unable to do so financially, that's why I run ads on this podcast. That's why I have my sponsors. No stress about that. You can support my work by rating the podcast, reviewing it, following me on Instagram, subscribing to my Substack, sending me a voicemail about how the podcast has changed your life. You can do all of that on backfromtheborderline.com. But thank you so much for being here with me today. There's a lot of content out there, so it means a lot that out of all of the stuff you could listen to, you choose to tune in to Back From The Borderline. So that's it from me for today. I hope that this preview was helpful for you and gave you some food for thought and reflection in your own life, and I'll see you right back here next time. Hey, 
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.